0: The Psalms, the Song of Ascents of David, 122. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. Their thrones for judgment were set, thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord, I will seek your good. Let us pray. Just echoing what's already been said, as we are on the eve of Memorial Day, it is fitting to remember those who have made the ultimate sacrifice for the freedoms that we enjoy every day. We think of how they followed the footsteps of Jesus, a sacrifice for our freedom from sin and unifying our relationship with our Heavenly Father. We are thankful for our freedom to worship here today in peace because of the men and women who died to make that possible. Father, we know this was in your divine plan so that we enjoy our freedom today. Let us not forget the cost both in lives and the life of your son. Let the peace we know spur us on to carry the message of peace to our neighbors, to our friends, to our enemies, and to the world as a reminder that freedom isn't free. Amen.
1: Thank you, Mark. So, last week, Bodie and I, we flew to California. Uh, My grandfather was 98 years old, and he passed away. And so we were able to go to be with family. It was a really wonderful time together, remembering God's faithfulness to us through my grandfather, um I was very close to him, so I'm thankful I had the time to spend with family remembering him, being grateful to God for him. But to do that, I had to search for plane tickets. It was a little bit last minute. So I was looking for some cheap tickets, those don't exist. And uh I was on Southwest, which Southwest is typically, it's my friend, Southwest works pretty well. Uh they've got their their ticket their their tickets that are very cheap that are also the the catchphrase for Southwest, want to get away. might be familiar with it. might have heard the phrase before. And it kind of represents this idea that you pull out a map, you pick a destination on the map, maybe you blindfold yourself, pick a destination, and you say, I'm going to go there. You just want to get away. Go somewhere else. Maybe it's a vacation kind of destination, but you need to get away. Interestingly enough, uh, the guy that I sat next to on one of those flights was doing just that. He was just leaving San Francisco to go to Memphis because he needed to get away. Clear his head. Well, I'm not the adventurous type. I don't get that itch. But maybe you do. Maybe even as I'm saying these things, you're thinking, I'd like to get away. I'd like to go somewhere. You have a thought in mind of where you want to go. Well, David, in Psalm 122, he wanted to go somewhere. And he wasn't blindfolded. He wasn't throwing a dart at a map to see where he would go. He wanted to be in Jerusalem. David wanted to go to Jerusalem. And you might wonder why. Why did David want to be in Jerusalem? We're going to see three reasons why David wanted to be there. Now, if we're remembering back, um, a few Sundays back, uh, Mark Baumgartner preached, and his sermon had five points that we're all starting with the letter P. Well, I'm adding three more points that start with the letter P. So if you have like this extended alliteration, we have eight Ps that have gone through our sermons in the month of May. And so this is the first reason why David wants to be in Jerusalem. David says, I want to be there because God's presence is in Jerusalem. Look back with me at the first two verses again. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. So this is the third Psalm in a collection of Psalms that we've started this sermon series in. They are the Psalms of Ascent. They were songs that God's people would sing as they were going up to Jerusalem for special occasions. And what's interesting is not only were these Psalms collected all together, these 15 Psalms and put um, in this place in the Psalter, but even the organization of those Psalms of Ascent has some structure to it. So if you remember back when Pastor Steve opened this series, Psalm 120, the Psalmist was, he was in distress. He was discouraged. He, he says, my, my, I'm, I'm sojourning in Meshech, my tent, I'm dwelling in the tents of Kedar. He is away from Jerusalem, and he, he's grieved by that. He's living among God's enemies. He's saying things like, I am for peace, but they are for war. And so he's, he's discouraged. He's saddened. Psalm 120. Then we come to Psalm 121, just last week, so it should be more fresh. And we have this refrain over and over that God is keeping the psalmist. He's protecting him. And what's the context? The psalmist is on the way to Jerusalem. So you have the psalmist here, 120, he's in despair, he is not in Jerusalem, he's away from the land of Israel, but now in 121, the psalmist is journeying to Jerusalem, and he's remembering God's faithfulness in that. And now we come to Psalm 122, and David, the first psalm of a sense that we have attributed to David, David is writing, and he's saying, I've arrived. We are standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. So 120, 121, 122, there's like a flow here. And David has come. And why is he overjoyed? Why is he thankful to be in Jerusalem? Why is his heart glad? Because God's presence is found in Jerusalem. Now, if we go back a little bit in our Bibles to the book of Exodus. Exodus 25. And God is giving instructions to Moses on how to build the tabernacle. So the tabernacle was like a mobile temple. So in David's time in Jerusalem, the house of the Lord would have been the tabernacle. Now, a part of the, the instructions that God gave to Moses in constructing the tabernacle wasn't just the actual structure itself, but it was the furnishings for the tabernacle, what was inside of the tabernacle, different objects that were to be in the tabernacle. And one of those things was the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was important. At one time, it housed uh, Aaron's staff that had budded. It housed some manna, the food that God provided from heaven, and the Ten Commandments. But it wasn't just the Ark of the Covenant that was important, but the lid was too. The lid was very important. So on the lid, overlaid in gold, God says to Moses, I want you to construct two cherubim, two angels. and, And I want the angels to face each other. And where the tips of their wings meet, this is what God said to to Moses. There I will meet with you. There I will meet with you. And he goes on to say this. I will speak with you about all that I will give you in commandment for the people of Israel. So God says, I will meet you in a special, particular way on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. Now, ironically, uh, we're going to come to this in just a couple more psalms, but God also references this, this special place of His presence on the Ark of the Mercy, on the Ark of the Covenant, in the Psalms of Ascent. And he speaks of it like it's his footstool. Like the lid of the ark is his footstool. The heavens in his heavenly throne room is where he sits, and his feet come down to earth, and they are planted on the ark. Of the covenant. Now, why, did, why does all of this matter? What, what, what's significant about this? Well, it's a reminder to God's people as they go to Jerusalem in a special, particular way, they're going there to be in the presence of God. Now, they still have limited access. If you read your Old Testament, you will see that that only the, the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was, and only he could go in once a year on the Day of Atonement. So it was very limited access. But even in that way, God specially met with his people on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. Now we also understand, at the same time, that God is present everywhere at all times. That fancy phrase, he's omnipresent He is everywhere at once, but he also speaks of being particularly present in this special way above the, the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant, in the Holy of Holies, in the tabernacle in Jerusalem. And so when David's companions say to him, let us go to the house of the Lord, David is glad because he's thinking, I'm going to draw near to God. I am going into God's presence. We also have to remember this is the same man who, in 2 Samuel chapter 6, was rejoicing and was delighted and was filled with gladness when he brought the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. It's kind of a famous passage. It talks about him being undignified. He was just dancing with all of his might, and the people were singing and praising, and and David is filled with joy. And so he can write in Psalm 1611, he can write these words. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. David was glad to draw near to God's presence. And isn't that our joy? Isn't that our delight as well as as we think on this idea of, of drawing near to God? David was glad to be in God's presence. He was glad to be at the house of the Lord. There was nowhere else that he would rather be. He was not looking to hop on a plane, for obvious reasons, He was not looking to hop on a plane to just go anywhere. He was looking to journey to Jerusalem. And when he got to Jerusalem and stood within his gates, he was seeing the temple right there, and he knew the mercy seat where God specially meets with his people was there. Now, when we think about God's presence today, his presence is not found in a particular place that we have to journey to. We don't have to hop on a plane because that's what we would do if we had to go somewhere. We wouldn't hop on a plane because his presence is not confined in a special way to a special building, even a church building. Without God's people gathered together, it is just a building. But when God's people come together, now there's something unique that's happening there. Now there is something special that is going on, and we're going to see more of that as we get into this psalm. So why is it that God's presence is uniquely experienced by us today in ways that David couldn't even experience? Well, because of the finished work of Christ. We sang of it in that song, Jerusalem, the curtain in the temple, which reminded the people of their limited access to God. For many of them, their inability to come into God's presence. What happened when Jesus died on the cross? The temple was torn in two. Symbolizing that now we can come into God's presence. And we don't have to go to Jerusalem for that. We can enter into his presence in his word. In prayer, the whole book of Hebrews teaches us that truth. So we have this incredible privilege to draw near to God, to come into his presence. And we can do it with confidence. We're not cowering. We're not uncertain. We're not wondering, what will God do now that I'm here? But we can look to Christ and we can see Christ. And we can know that, that we are in Christ. We are with him. And so we can joyfully come into his presence. And God welcomes us as a father because he has adopted us into his family. God welcomes me. God welcomes you if you're in Christ. Because Jesus is your advocate. And so when we pray, when we read, we should remember David's words. We should be fueled by his words. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. So David wanted to be in Jerusalem because God's presence was there. David also wanted to be in Jerusalem because God's people were there. Look back at verses 3 through 5. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up. The tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. There, thrones for judgment were set. The thrones of the house of David. So David wanted to be there. He wanted to be in Jerusalem because that's where he found God's people. The people of God had journeyed to be there together. There were certain points in the year. Certain festivals. Certain special occasions that the Israelites would particularly go back to Jerusalem to celebrate. If you could, you would go. And so you had, as the text says there, not just like the people of Judah who lived in and around Jerusalem, but you had people from every tribe all over the nation of Israel coming back to be together. Now, it's kind of rare for us to experience something like that in Warsaw. I was like racking my brain this week. When is Warsaw flooded with people? The, the, the thing that I thought of first was, uh, do you remember when McAllister's opened? I'm telling you, there were a ton of people bust in for the opening of McAllister's. You went in there, and you're like, I don't recognize any of you. And I kind of know faces in Warsaw, and all of you are foreign to me. There is a mass of people here, and I think you're all from outside of Warsaw. But that was a bad one, because like, it's just McAllister's i like, Warsaw? Is Warsaw ever flooded with people? I came up with no good examples. So maybe you could give me one afterwards. But here was an example I thought of. Plymouth. Plymouth is not a bustling metropolis, but it kind of is at the Blueberry Festival. You go there in September, and Plymouth is crazy. I I went there with Casey um, when we were dating, and we parked at this Taco Bell, and I was like, where is the festival? There's nothing around. Like, where, where are we? And we, like, had to walk, like, a mile to get in. It was crazy and and I thought like is Plymouth a big city? No, Plymouth is small, but at the Blueberry Festival, it's crazy. You go there for the fireworks and there's just you're just crowded, you're crammed into that place like people everywhere. Don't take your children, you will lose them in the crowd. Like it is not so at the Blueberry Festival. So if you've gone to that, you've experienced maybe something of what David is talking about here in this song. Not totally identical though, because Going to the Blueberry Festival, the purpose for that, pretty trivial. You'd like blueberries. If you don't like blueberries, you don't have any reason to be there. But the people in Jerusalem, they were gathering together to give thanks to the name of the Lord. They were gathering together to worship God. They had this singular purpose that unified them way more than any kind of man-made event could. As much as you may love blueberries, blueberries pale in comparison to gathering to worship God. Now, as David is talking about this reality, it's really interesting. If you look at those verses 3 and 4, you see that he's talking about Jerusalem and its physical structure. He says in that first opening verse of of verse 3, Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord. And so as David is talking about the actual city, he is standing within its gates. He is thinking about what he's seeing in the structure of the city. It is impressive, impressive architecture. It is better than any little town. It is it is an impressive sight to behold. As he's looking at the structure of the city, he is also almost seamlessly transitioning to marveling at the people who are found in the city. It is a city that is bound together. The structures are tightly knit together, but also the people in the city. The people are are tightly bound together. They are joined together. They are united by their relationship to the Lord. They are united by their desire to worship him. I think that's helpful to us. We just had a conversation in, in Sunday school this morning based off of last week's sermon. Remember the point about having truth-telling friends? We talked about the, the difficulty of that in our, our lives today. How, how hard it can be to actually develop those relationships. And so we got into the, the why of that. What makes it hard? And this psalm also kind of addresses this notion of like God's people gathering together is such a good thing. What makes it hard for us to be in relationship? Almost passively, without even trying to. We can live in isolated ways in our world today. I was joking in Sunday school about how Casey and I, when we put the kids to bed, we've got our time, it's quiet in the house once everybody's settled in, and so maybe we're going to watch a movie or a TV show. And so we put something on, and within like 30 seconds, both of us got our phones out. And we're just like, "I'm clearly I'm looking at sports. How are the ball game's going tonight? She's maybe on Instagram or something. And we can watch a whole movie, but not really watch the movie. And we come away from a really trivial shared experience without actually having shared in that experience. And we're like, what was that movie about? I don't really know. I was seeing how the giants were doing. What were you doing? I was learning how to cook this fish better. And so all of a sudden we're just like, we, we didn't even share in the most trivial of experiences. We were isolating ourselves without even really, it wasn't like we both were like, I don't want to do this movie together. We just kind of were bored. I just want something else to kind of amuse me. And so I pull out my phone. But in even greater ways, we can do that in life where we are maybe even purposefully at keeping people at arm's length. Ah, I, I, I'm, I'm struggling in these ways in life and, and I don't want to share that with anybody. It's too hard to do that. It also got me thinking about how just mobile our world is, without really trying to, now that we can like work from anywhere, I could just uproot, move somewhere else, could do that, and all of those relationships kind of just pass away. Not that I was like trying to get away from those people, but we can just move. And so we live in a modern world that that makes it even easier to isolate ourselves. And so Psalm 122 is going in the opposite direction. David is eager to be with God's people. He sees how they are bound together, how they are one, how they're going to Jerusalem to give thanks to the name of the Lord. And so as we think about ourselves, we are bound together too. If you continue reading in the Bible, lots of places in the New Testament, the authors of the New Testament, use analogies to also talk about how we, in Christ, are bound together even using temple language, like we find here in Psalm 122. 1 Peter says this, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 uses another analogy, the body, the physical body, to talk about, God's people in relationship both to Jesus and to each other were members of Christ's body. Ephesians 4, similar idea. Listen to these words. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so it builds itself up in love. So we are joined together. Like the people of Israel going to worship God in Jerusalem, we are bound together in Christ. And so we encourage each other. We teach each other. We exhort each other. We bear each other's burdens. We stir one another up to love and good deeds. We serve each other. We sharpen each other. We do all of these things because we are bound together in Christ. Now here's what's interesting here, is we think about God's presence is on David's mind, God's people is on David's mind. And we see how in a lot of ways those two realities come together. That God has made us as His people His dwelling place. So that when we gather together, when we are worshiping together, because the Spirit dwells in each of us, we collectively are experiencing some of, something of what it's like to be in God's presence. We are gathering as his people. Listen to what Ephesians 2.22 says. In Christ, we are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. God's presence in and among his people. That's a privileged opportunity that we have. We gather together. We worship God together in his very presence as his dwelling place. Now, that, that should, like David, be reason to rejoice, but we don't always feel that way. There's a, a certain child who will name, remain nameless in our home. Uh, I shared this with my wife, and she said, can you make sure to say child instead of someone? Because it would give the impression it was one of the adults. Uh, there, is, there is a ch- certain child that has a habit of saying that they don't want to go to church on Sunday mornings. And so we talk about why we do what we do, why we gather together. And in one, on the one hand, like I, I would, would like for my children to be eager to be here. I don't always ask the reasons. Another child is very eager to be here. I don't know if it's always for exactly the reasons I'm looking for. Um, but but as much as I want my children to, to want to be here, I also am thankful for these kinds of opportunities because even as I am seeking to speak truth into my child's life, in a lot of ways, I'm really speaking that same truth to myself. I'm really saying the, the same things that I also need to hear that I am quick to not want to hear about why we gather together, why we do what we do. I have lots of reasons, some more trivial, some deeper down, for why I would say, you know what, maybe today we won't go to church this evening, this morning. Load the lawn, but all the clippings are still out, it's unfinished, it's a beautiful morning, could do that. Didn't get a lot of sleep last night, children were, not going to bed as we would like, and it's hard, nice to sleep in a little bit. Or maybe a little deeper. Of, like I've had some hard, hard relational conflict in my life, and going and being with more people, that feels really hard. All things that go through my mind, one time or another. And so Psalm 122 is, is a reminder to me. I hope it's a reminder to us. I can't wait to talk about Psalm 122 the next time one of my children's like, I don't want to go to church. Psalm 122. What a good thing it is to gather with God's people. And the more that we, we preach that truth to ourselves from God's Word, the more the Spirit works that truth into our hearts. The more that He warms our affections. And so we can, we can look back on our Christian lives and we can see how I may still struggle with certain feelings, but, but I look back and I see God has grown me. God has made my affections to deepen for his people. I have longings to be, not always and not, not perfectly, but I have those longings in ways that maybe I didn't have as I look back on my Christian life. So the more we preach that truth to ourselves from God's word, the more that our feelings align with what we know to be true. We need to speak the truth to ourselves. So keep doing the hard work of investing in God's body. Keep reminding yourself of God's word. Ask God to help you to long for his presence, to long for his people, and even to see that package deal that they are. When I put that in my notes, the package deal, made me think of elementary school days when we would be playing pickup basketball on the playground at recess, and we would have to pick teams. And I always hated picking teams when kids would say, we're a package. Anybody familiar with that? Young young people, maybe like some basketball. Maybe when you're playing basketball after church or on Wednesday nights, if you're picking teams and you got somebody, we're a package deal. And I always had those moments of like, well, I want that kid because he's good. But that kid, he is not good. But I gotta take both of you. But this is a good package deal. This is a good package deal. God's presence, God's people, they meet together, and we rejoice to be in his presence with his people. David wants to be in Jerusalem for both of those reasons. Here's the third and the final reason that David wants to be in Jerusalem. Because in Jerusalem, he finds God's peace. He finds God's peace. Let's read again verses 6 through 9. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Kind of just a a brief side note, but I think it's really good for us to see here, not just the peace of God, but also David's love for God and for neighbor. Like the first two commandments are coming out in Psalm 122. He seeks the the good of his neighbors. He wants he wants good for his brothers and companion's sake and he also for the sake of the house of the Lord our God. I will seek your good. He loves God, he loves his neighbor. And so he wants to see God glorified. He wants to see God's people thriving in God's presence. And that is best captured by the reality of peace. Now in David's lifetime, Jerusalem had achieved a measure of peace. If you want to go back and read 2 Samuel, or just take your time and wait for Pastor Steve to do a devotional on it, David was ultimately the one who captured Jerusalem, who conquered the people who were occupying Jerusalem, the Jebusites, and the city then became the capital of Israel. And It was often called the city of David because David was the one who captured it. He also defeated lots of the surrounding enemies that were infringing upon the land. And so he brought relative peace by God's grace in God's time to Jerusalem. The city was experiencing peace, fitting considering the name of the city is City of Peace. That's what Jerusalem means. Jerusalem was also well fortified. We hear David even speaking of its walls, Here in these verses, they were massive walls. And those walls served as great defenses against enemies. That was a very practical way to be safe. It was a great defense mechanism to have these massive walls. In our day and age, it's like, yeah, a wall probably won't do a ton for you. But back then, they didn't have the same advanced weaponry. It was pretty helpful. But it wasn't just the walls that kept the city secure. You also had just the natural... The natural defenses of the hills, and there were some valleys. So there was even just the, the physical terrain made it difficult for enemies to take the city. And so the people who lived within those walls, they could go about their daily lives with a relative measure of peace. They weren't looking over their shoulder, anticipating a potential enemy invasion. They were dwelling securely. They were able to go about their lives to seek to honor God in their work in their play, in their time with family, in their time in the community. They could do all of that, and there was some peace. And so David sees that peace in Jerusalem, and he longs for that peace to never end. But if you read on in the biblical story, that peace does come to an end. And God's people, in sinning against God, he, he judged them. And he sent foreign nations to conquer them. And Jerusalem was, was overtaken by the Babylonians. And the temple that, that Solomon would build after David, <clears throat> it, was, it was destroyed. And now they're not living in peace. And once again, the words of Psalm 120 ring in our ears. I am for peace, but they are for war. There's a time in Israel's history that that they are are going back to Psalm 120. We were all the way in Psalm 121 and David is in Jerusalem and he's experiencing the peace there and he's rejoicing. He's filled with gladness. But there comes a time, as you read on the biblical story, where they were back in Psalm 120. And they they were desiring for peace and that peace was gone. Too long have I made my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when they speak... But when I speak, they are for war. So, David, he saw that peace, he experienced it, but later in Israel, they lost it. And we see in our own lives sin and its consequences all around us in our community, in our homes, in our families, in the workplace. We see frustration, we experience conflict, we experience fractured relationships. In the world, on a global level, we look around us, we see that peace, in all of its fullness, is very hard to find. It's not found. And not just, when we say peace, not just coexistence. That's not what we're aiming for. Not some kind of fake, superficial peace. Not some kind of, well, you live how you live, I'll live how I live, but also if you infringe on how I live, then we'll be out of peace. No, this is peace that is God-honoring order and harmony, where men are living according to God's word, where they are living rightly before one another and before God, where they are loving God and loving their neighbor as God would say in his word. We don't see that peace in our world. But there is a peace that the Bible speaks of that we do have. There is a peace that we do have. Peace with God himself. Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so through the the finished work of God's Son on the cross, he has made peace for us. We are no longer his enemies. We are no longer at odds with God. We are no longer in conflict with him. We are no longer in opposition to him because he has reconciled us. And so we have this foretaste of the peace that is to come. A peace in all of its fullness. Not just spiritually with God, but, but in all ways in the new creation. A peace in all of its fullness. And that peace that God has achieved between us and him, that should then flow into our relationships with each other. That's why Paul can write in Colossians 1 of the vertical peace that we have with God. And then in Colossians 3, he can write of the horizontal peace that we have with each other. So listen to the vertical piece in Colossians 1, 19-20. For in Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And then just two chapters later, we now see the horizontal piece, the peace among believers, Colossians 3.15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. And so that peace with God is the peace then that drives our relationships with each other, the peace that we have with each other. And so we work hard to love each other, to bear with one another, to be long-suffering toward one another. When one has a complaint against another, to forgive each other. Why? Because we have peace with God. So David wanted to be in Jerusalem. He was Filled with gladness to be there, because there he found God's presence, there he found God's people, and there he found God's peace. And so as we consider this psalm, as we see where, where David wanted to be, we should be struck by this incredible reality. Steve likes to say like, if you've tuned out on me, like come back in, I'm, I'm doing one of those moments right now. If you've tuned out, like come back in right here. Psalm 122 anticipates a a far greater future for God's people. All that we find here in Psalm 122, all that we find here in this psalm in Jerusalem finds its fulfillment in the new heavens and the new earth. Ultimately, that is the city that we seek. That is the city that we one day will be filled with joy and delight when we come to its gates and we say, with gladness, I was glad. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. One day, we will be in God's presence with with seeing him right before our eyes. One day, we will be with God's people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, gathered together just as the Israelites gathered together to worship him like we've never worshipped before. One day, there will be full, complete Biblical peace, security. Nothing unclean or impure in the city of God, Revelation says. No sin or death, no physical enemies, no spiritual enemies. Perfect peace, perfect security. The prayer of Psalm 122 realized in all of its entirety. And that perfect peace, that perfect security is only ours because those thrones that were mentioned in verse 5, where the thrones of judgment are, Because Jesus will be on his throne in all of its fullness. Jesus will be ruling and reigning in all righteousness. And peace and security will be ours in the new heavens and the new earth. That is the day that we long for. When we will see the face of God. When his name will be literally, it will be written on our foreheads because we belong to him. Because we are his. That's where we want to be. We don't need a map. I don't need Southwest to tell me where I want to go. We know where we want to be. We want to be in the new heavens and the new earth where all that we see in Psalm 122 is found in its fullness, in its completion, and we will be with the Lord forever. As the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 13:14, for here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. And in that city, we will be full of gladness like David. In that city, God's presence with his people in perfect peace. But that gladness is only for those who are in Christ. There is a day when we will stand before the throne and God's people will rejoice. But those who are not in Christ, there will only be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Those who haven't turned from their sin and toward Christ for forgiveness. If you're continuing in your unbelief this morning, come to Christ. See the gladness of David on display, but even more so, see the gladness of God's people gathered today on display as we take communion together, as we remember the death of our Lord. All those whom God draws, he never turns away. Come to Christ today, he who died on the cross for our sins and was raised again. God is building his church today. Endless joy, happiness, delight, all awaiting those who belong to him. And so, even as we await that future day, we can say with David now, I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for your word, that you have revealed yourself to us even in Psalm 122, that you have given us a, a window into the heart of David as he came into your city, a city of peace, as he experienced your presence and your people and your peace. And God, that, we pray, would stir our hearts to long all the more for the, the future full, final realization of all of those things in the new heavens and the new earth. God, stir us up. God, give us an eagerness. And we pray that in that eagerness that we would be quick to to speak your name to those in our lives. We pray, Lord, even as we take communion together that you would stir up our affections as we think about one day being with you gathering in the greatest of banquets ever, rejoicing in your goodness to us. Thank you, Lord, for what you have done in sending your Son to die for our sins, that we could be at peace with you. We pray, Lord, that you would fill us with joy and with gladness as we consider this psalm. pray all of these things in Christ's name. Amen.